All right, all right, all right. You're listening to the We're Talking Football Podcast. I'm Weston. With me, as always, the right-hand man, Lou. Lou, we are oh, a little subtle intro today. You didn't yeah. pull out the, the <laughs> 90s uh, intro. By the way, quick side note, uh, my wife likes to fall asleep to like 90s like sitcom like television on like Netflix and Amazon Prime. And okay. one of the ones you referenced was like Family Matters, and she oh, had that yeah. on the other day. And it was to a T, right? Like they're in the middle of doing something, not looking, and then their name comes across the bottom. They're just like, so funny, so funny. So we're here to recap week eight of the 2022 NFL season. Lou, I'm going to officially coin this evening as the gold jacket episode, if not evident by the throwback Mitchell and Ness jacket I'm rocking today. I'm going for style above comfort. While it's semi-cold in my basement, it's certainly not cold enough to warrant this. So it might come off halfway through because we're a minute in and I'm already sweating. Uh, but it is what it is. Um, we'll get into everything. Uh, Take shortly. that jacket off. No, Take not yet. Off. Let me I tell got... you why. Let me tell We had a disagreement about that game. This and weekend's all... game. We'll talk about it. Yeah, we'll all right, all right. We'll, I'm, we'll, we'll save that. I got plenty. I'll, I'll give you your... Yo, I'm feeling feisty. I'm telling you right now. I'm feeling it. I can smell it on you. You're feeling that. You're feeling spicy, as the younger generation likes to say. That's old spice. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I I know we're going to get into this shortly, but I am genuinely curious, Lou, on how you enjoyed your bye week this past week. Uh, We'll get into the ins and outs of what the bye week entails, but – Tell me a little bit about watching football on a Sunday where there was nothing to really care about. No emotion pulling you in either direction. I got to tell you, Weston, I've had like a come to Jesus moment uh, this past Sunday, knowing that I am pretty much eliminated from our fancy football playoffs and our fancy league. Right. And then realizing that the charges were not playing on Sunday. I felt like relief. I felt like lighter. I felt, I just felt clearer and I was able to actually sit down and enjoy watching football without an ounce of anxiety. And I'm like, wow, football's really fun to watch when you're not worrying about fancy football or your team, uh, you know, fucking shit up for lack yeah. of better words. So it made me start thinking that like when I get older, what's going to happen to me being a fan? I'm hoping it dissipates and I can just watch and enjoy the game as opposed to be so fanatical of uh, you know, rooting for a particular team. But uh, it was, it was great. It was, it was, I equivalated to uh, breaking the seal after, you know, you're, you know, when you're wasted, you know, we, okay. you, that first piss, like ah, I needed that type yeah. stuff. So I'm, be- I'm uh, better for that. <laughs> yes. It, and then you just get right back out there. Like yeah. it was such a, an enjoyable Sunday to not have anything on the line. But like breaking the seal, you are quickly back. <laughs> it's and it's worse. And it's worse. <laughs> and it's way worse than the first one when you're like, so, yeah. how did I hold that for eight hours? And now I can't hold it for 12 minutes. I don't yeah. understand. Um, genuinely curious as well. When you're watching football and your team is not playing, are you a red zone guy? Do you lock into a game? I'm, I'm curious. No, I, um, I'm a red zone guy. Uh, and the reason being is because some of the games, if, unless there's like a like a marquee matchup, right? Yeah. 
Uh, some of the games, like I'm not going to want to watch New England versus the Jets this past weekend uh, for the mere fact that it's a lot of bad football. You had Zach Wilson running around like a chicken without a head. Uh, Mac Jones just captain check down type stuff. Like, I don't want to see that. I want to see a little more excitement. So I, I unless there's like a marquee matchup, like a like two big teams, I'm watching Red Zone. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I I, I do too, um, and I have this to look forward to this week, and we'll talk more about it. But the reality is, is like I do think Red Zone has broken football, right? Like yeah. I think Red Zone is a it's a fantasy football ploy, right? Everybody's just curious, like how'd they score that big touchdown? Oh, they're in the red zone. Is my running back going to get the handoff? Are they going to target my wide receiver or tight end? Or is my quarterback going to run it in? Whatever, whatever the case might be. But like you mentioned how your fandom might dissipate. And I think that's the smartest thing that fantasy football has ever done for itself is it lets people invest in football without having to invest into a team. Right. And just kind of rinse and repeat year over year, the players, um, that they might gravitate towards or only focus in on for that season because they're on my roster, right? Essentially. So I don't have to fixate on a team. And I think that hurts football, right? Like I think some of these fan bases just like, like think about how allegiant you are to the LA chargers and think about how allegiant I am to the San Francisco 49ers. Unless you're a teen, like if you're a 10, 12, 13 year old kid right now, unless you're, a fan of the Buffalo bills or the Kansas city chiefs or something like that. Like, will you ever have that diehard passion for a team or just for the sport? And sometimes I think that hurts the NFL because there's not that like loyalty to a brand, i.e. a logo on the side of the helmet. Yeah. The the caveat or the, you know, the glass half full type of approach that, Hey, maybe they're more fluid. They like more than one team. They can support more than one team. If if that happens, the NFL is making more money. So it all depends. It's all the eye of the beholder. Yeah, I I get it. I just feel like – I mean, listen, fantasy football was a thing when we were growing up as well. It just wasn't as widespread. Uh, The internet certainly did not support it, right? Like you were updating it from like the Sunday and Monday paper, right? Like the recaps of the games is how you were filling out – stats like again like i remember going, when you had to pay for live scoring with yahoo yeah it was like it was like i think it was like extra like 9.99 if you want live scoring if not you had to wait till the next day to legit. Get the sports. Yeah. lou i remember when you couldn't go online to get information that's how long we've been watching football yeah right? you, you like, might get the magazines you had to get the yeah magazines. you had to get the magazines or you just waited for in our neck of the woods where we grew up the asbury park press to be delivered on monday right yeah. and have the the stat line from Sunday. All right. Real quick, let's just remind our listeners that tonight's episode is brought to you by Primetime Sports Talk, your top source for all major sports content, including DFS, fantasy advice, and great betting tips. Be sure to head to primetimesportstalk.com to check out their in-depth analysis, exclusive content, fascinating interviews, and explore the rest of their amazing podcast family. Again, primetimesportstalk.com, your go-to spot for sports content. And while we're on the subject, Lou, remind listeners where they can find us. On Instagram and Twitter at WTF Pod NFL. Like us, follow us, subscribe to our YouTube page, West and Plug It. We're talking football. Hit the like, hit the subscribe, give us that follow. Um, Lou, I almost everybody pay a little attention to Lou's Twitter handle at the bottom of his screen. Uh 
you're you're missing out if you're not following Lou. He gets really spicy and really critical at times. And honestly, it's quite enjoyable. Today, he made reference to his team traveling on the road this week, bringing wide receivers from your favorite team, my favorite team, the Washington Sentinels. If you don't know who they are, then you need to do yourself a favor and go watch the replacements. We're only scratching the surface of Clifford, Ta- Clifford Franklin's talents. So Clifford, here's Clif- thing. Clifford Franklin don't even know what Clifford Franklin's going to do next. <laughs> here's the thing about Clifford Franklin, right? The Chargers would not be interested in him because he was fast. The Chargers <laughs> do not like fast receivers. So uh, they would probably want the deaf tight end because he was slow and had good hands. C- Coach, I look like a j- I jacked off an elephant. <laughs> it's the best line of the entire movie. Um, all right, perfect. Uh, Lou, we're, as we've been – Doing it as of late, kind of beginning with hot topics. Nothing crazy happened this past week. Um, you know, that's outside of, hey, it's the NFL trade deadline, essentially. So curious to get your thoughts related to the trade trade deadline. I think the easiest way to probably break this down is give me a winner or two, give me a loser or two um, related to the, the deadline. All right, so – Winner, I'm going to start because I'm, I'm going to save some meat because I'm assuming you're going to give a winner too then. Sure. Yeah. So I'm going to st- – I'm going to – I'll let you – I'll get. I'll save you some meat on the bone here. I'm going to say the Jacksonville Jaguars. They're obviously not going anywhere this year, right? I absolutely loved how – what they acquired uh, – what they used to acquire uh, Calvin Ridley for. Calvin Ridley is a stud, and I feel like this is a move that's going to help uh, their quarterback, Lawrence – this is I'm gonna equate this to Lawrence has a Stefan Diggs now. And I he's one of the best route runners in the league, Calvin Ridley. Um he, he's he's fast, he's explosive, no wasted movements when he gets in and out of breaks. Uh I also love the irony too, what happened. Calvin Ridley got suspended for betting on the Falcons against the Jaguars. And now he's a part of the Jaguars. Absolutely love this move. By the Jacksonville Jaguars. I love the narrative and the story behind it. And this is for a future move. And like I said, this is going to add a little more explosion to their offense. I love, I can't argue this any differently for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'll bring this back up again in just a moment. But like, I just already think like, already planning for next year, right? Like the dirt, they already feel like they've won the draft and we're just talking about a trade deadline, right? Mm-hmm. Like for what they had to give up to, to go get. And you and I agree the Calvin Ridley when on the field, when healthy is a premier wide receiver um, in the NFL. Uh, so Jags like great move. And, and I love the comparison of giving Trevor Lawrence a, Stefan Diggs esque like number one target, right? They got like, some home run. They got some home run hitters now. You got Travis Etienne, who's shown to be explosive, yeah. ran all over that Denver defense, right? That's a stout Denver defense. You got Christian Kirk, who's all know, albeit he has uh, uh, cooled off as of late, but he started off like gangbusters in the beginning of the year. So that it's he has the ability to do that. Now you throw Calvin Ridley opposite side of. Um, uh, Christian Kirk, and I think you can have some fun and uh, be really explosive offense there. Yeah, um, agreed, agreed. Love it for for Jacksonville. 
I'll take some low hanging fruit here. I'm yeah. not sure if you're going to want to get into another. The low hanging fruit for me is, you know, we say it all the time that the rich just get richer. It's just the way that it goes. Well, and good they, teams. Well, good teams do good things. That's what yeah. it comes down to. That's why they're good teams, right? Is what it boils down to. And uh, love the Eagles going to get Robert Quinn. Um, I I don't know if I love. I mean, I understand Chicago's stance on this, right? Like, I mean, I think they gave him up for far too little, but the reality is, is like get something before he he parts. But I mean, keep me honest here, Lou. Did this guy not have like what was it, nineteen sacks like two years ago or whatever yeah. it was like Last um, just year, a, I think, yeah. yeah, just a monster year. And you lose Derek Barnett on one side um, from the pass rush standpoint. And then you go in and get, grab a guy that arguably is a better pass rusher. Um, and they now have an embarrassment of riches up and down the defensive line. Um, we already know that the team sitting at 7-0 and coming out of a bye week. Like things just I, – I applaud the Eagles because this is – chips all in right like we're gonna ride this thing and we're gonna take this as far as it goes the way this team is gelling the way this team is playing and the production we're getting out of the quarterback why not go get him more defensive support and put the offense in even more favorable positions robert quinn is not just a sack guy like he's a sack strip fumble kind of guy right like he aggressively goes after the ball um he's an opportunistic defender i I know it's low-hanging fruit but to me that's easily the move of the of the, of the trade deadline. I mean, it takes already the by record, the best team in the NFL and brings them to another tier. Yeah. I've got one more. I'm not sure if you do, but I also will uh, go to the well with the low hanging fruit. How about the Miami dolphins? Bradley Chubb, I do think is a tad bit overrated, but I love the fact that they added him to uh, a bunch of, uh, it's a blue collar defense where you don't know everyone's names, but somehow, some way, you know, they do get it done. I do love uh, the addition of Bradley Chubb, and I do like the addition of Jeffrey Wilson. Here, they here Miami has um, a bunch of track stars on that team with Mosert, Waddle, and Tyreek Hill. Adding Jeffrey uh, Wilson, I be, I feel like gives you a little more thump in between the tackles, uh, a little more power to you know to a team that's uh, been mostly finesse. And I like the fact, you know, they added that too. So I think those are two smart moves by the Miami Dolphins trying to play catch up with the Buffalo Bills because you know they're trying to win that division. Don't they don't want to go to Buffalo, you know, no. co- you know, come uh, this postseason. Um, <clears throat> I, I think both of those moves are prudent and responsible, right? Like, and within expectations. I don't think they're either one of those players are world beaters. I do think Jeff Wilson's value goes up just reuniting him with former run game coordinator Mike McDaniel now as the head coach who we know is calling the plays in Miami um and I think he's the honestly the perfect supplement to what Raheem Mostert is right we've seen that exact scenario play out in San Francisco already when when Mike McDaniels is at the helm I don't love the Bradley Chubb move um I do tend to agree with you that I think he is overrated in some capacity. I mean, look, is he a good player? Yeah. Is he a a better than average pass rusher in the NFL? Like, yeah, but he has just, I think he has glimpses and then he has prolonged moments Mm -hmm. of silence, you know, giving up a first round pick is, is lofty for that guy. Cause I don't even think Bradley Chubb's the best pass rusher on his D on the, on the Broncos. I don't, I think the kid, 
what whatever his name is, Baron uh, Browning. Browning. I, I I think that kid is a, a, actually a supreme pass rusher. He gets after the quarterback very well. Yeah, he has a great um, motor. Yep. Yeah, and, and he's just – I mean, that first step is like he's like lightning. But that's a different defense too, right? That's a 3-4 scheme, right? So you're you're creating weird um, matchups, et cetera. Uh, that being said, like I think the I, I still think the move makes sense because it's – you're just adding another piece to a stout defense in Miami, right? Like, yeah, and, and you know – Because that make him – better because he's not necessarily the focal point of what you have to take away right like yeah, now I he's a, he, yeah. a chess yeah. piece yeah i think you hit the nail on the head when you just start right there it's like the fact that like they don't need him to be the savior on that defensive line they have a bunch of players on the defensive line they just need to be a really good complimentary piece so it could be a you know expensive complimentary piece i get it but hey they gave up what the niners pick because they lost the other pick uh from penalty and what have you so they're start. They're maybe thinking that hey, the Niners will have a later pick, and when you start drafting around twenty three to you know that type of range in the first round, you're really getting second round talents. So and now you think to yourself, hey, uh, is this player better than anything we can get? You know, at that spot, and and most likely yes. Hey, and you know what? Shout out to the <clears throat> the Dolphins taking advantage of a scenario, Lou. I know you've seen it. I've seen it a million times. I'm just going to call it out. They, they turned the, the Trey Lance trade for the 49ers to move up into Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill, and Bradley Chubb. Not a bad haul for essentially a player that hasn't found the field yet for the 49ers in this yeah. instance due to injury. But, like, yeah. that's that's how you put your, your team in a position to win okay. long-term as well. So um, the other one for me, low-hanging fruit, Roquan Smith to Baltimore. We've all talked about how the defense has been porous. Um, I, think the, I think coupled with um, – with Queen um, is is going to be a nice little pairing. I mean, Roquan's been a prominent linebacker in this league for a few years now. He leads the NFL in tackles. I know what defense he plays on, so I know he's getting the ball. He's getting plenty of opportunities to make tackles. But uh, another piece that I think on paper just makes – turns a sour spot into a little bit less sour for Baltimore, and they need all the help they can get on defense. That's been the knock on them all year. So weird they say that because I have Ravens firmly in my loser section here. Okay. And um, let's transition to losers if that's okay. I have the that Ravens. That is plenty as, fine. Yeah. So <clears throat> you like it from a football standpoint, right? With getting Rokon Smith. But where's the help from Lamar? Like, why didn't you use the assets you obtained to get help for Lamar? And now you're looking to after because Roquan's a free agent after this year. Lamar's a free agent after this year. Guess what? They have $48 million in cap. And Roquan probably wants anywhere from $17 million a year to $20 million a year, right? Lamar, he wants the bag too. 40 mil. I just don't understand why not get a playmaker for Lamar. They are. You have Dobbins out with that that knee injury again, right? Yep. Uh, there's no explosion on that on that team. Andrews is a little banged up. Uh, it should, I, I I get you like the player and you like the fit, but I don't. I just think that if you didn't, if somehow Lamar gets his team to the playoffs and he does get them, you know, advances them, he's even they're even making it harder on themselves to try to resign him because he's going to be like. Look what I did with no talent around me. All right. 
Well, I had no no playmakers around me. I want even more money than the beginning of the year. So, you know what I find, and and you know what, like, I think you raise a, a good point because what's crazy, and this might sound crazy, is like, of course, Lamar wants the bag, but I don't like he does doesn't strike me as a guy who like needs and wants it all. Right? Like, I do feel like. Uh, I disagree want, with that. He no, wants a full think, guaranteed contract, bro. I mean, listen, as they all should, but I think you can lower the numbers on that fully guaranteed compared to what other people's are, uh, especially if you get – if you brought a playmaker in two for him, that would entice him to want to stay. Like, I just feel like he – he would sacrifice a few things. I just feel like he would. Um, that's just the kind of the vibe that I, I get from him. Um, you know, like he just feels like he's pro Baltimore, pro team. Like he he doesn't says a lot of the right things, and he has earned the right to get the back. Right, like he's earned the right. We just talked about what he's done with no real playmakers around him, time and time again. I just. Uh, yeah, it is a little perplexing that you think about it. But the way I – when I chalk them up to be a winner is like, look, their struggles this year have clearly been on the defensive side of the ball, like in getting into the second half, adding a piece there. Uh, doesn't make you a loser. Um, I'd, I'd, I'd use your same argument, and I'd insert the Green Bay Packers. Yeah. Like, here we are, another pending event – and another wasted opportunity to find Aaron Rodgers, somebody, just somebody, somebody better. Dude, like, are we still trotting out Sammy Watkins, pretending that he's relevant in the NFL right now? You I'm know, not what gonna, I mean? I'm not gonna lie, I I totally missed on Sammy Watkins. I love him as a prospect coming out of Clemson, and he has been nothing short of a failure. But it, but you know what? Er, let's be fair. Early in his year, injuries derailed. Dude, his rookie season in Buffalo, like he was, was legit. One year, and then, yeah. and then he never had that season. No, and then he's yeah. bounced around the league, right? He's found a few homes. Like I'm sure at this point, he's a seasoned vet, so he knows what to say and how to acclimate himself in a locker room and do all those things. But like, dude, when I'm watching a Packers broadcast and they're talking about like, oh, this offense is suffering because Randall Cobb is not playing. Like, really? That's where we are right now with with the Green Bay offense. Is like. Randall this, Cobb is the integral piece that's missing. That doesn't this isn't feel 2016 anymore. Yeah, this doesn't yeah. feel or sound right in any capacity. And what's even more perplexing is like, think of what Lafleur is going through right now. He already has more losses this season than he's had two more losses in this season than he's ever had in any season prior to being a head coach. Yet, the division in some capacity is still within reach. The playoffs are still within reach. But with what this team is putting out there, knowing that at the end of the day, you mean I just got to take away the run? Like, you make, you make this team one-dimensional? Like, there's nothing about this team that even says to me that they're getting into the playoffs. Yeah. Right? Like, you, if they do, so let's say if they do squeak in the playoffs, are they really serious? Nobody's afraid the of play, them. The way they're playing? No. Nobody was afraid of them last year when they were the freaking one seed, dude. Like, nobody's – or whatever. Uh, Come on. People were picking them to go. It was super no. I mean, I think yeah. I did, but whatever. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure yeah. Semantics, semantics. <laughs> I also think you picked them to beat your Niners too, which is an awful trend lately that you have your. That was that was that one was to protect my heart because I was yeah. traveling a long distance, and if I walked out of there with an L, I could be at least like, ah, I saw that one coming. Yeah, you know. All right, 
Um, do you have another loser? No, I'm not going to make one up for the uh, make one up sake. To be honest, okay. I, I literally have Ravens and Packers here. I have I have one final point to make. Uh, we we both just pegged the Jags as winners. I would peg Calvin Ridley as a loser in this scenario. Actually, <laughs> um, Jacksonville is just a place that wide receivers go to die. That's not true. They they they, they originally started off with McCart McCardo and Jimmy Smith. I don't know yeah. about that. Mark Brunel was the quarterback. Um, Mark Brunel does not get enough credit for being as good of a quarterback as he actually was. Very good. Very Very talented quarterback. The last lefty that was relevant, um, in in my opinion. That being said, I just – I don't know. It it, it feels right for the Jags. doesn't feel so right for Calvin. Um, Now, what I will say why this feels right for Jags is because they have consistently overspent on not – high quality wide receivers, but paying them top dollar just to get them there. Cause they have the money in free agency. This guy is a top quality wide receiver, just a, a lack of confidence. And cause it's the, they, the Jaguars just have this aura, just have this stigma. It's just like one of those things. Um, but listen, it's Doug Peterson at the helm and then he'll be there next year at least. So we'll, we'll see how this shakes out, but yeah. I would, I would chalk Calvin Ridley, up to being a loser in this equation. Um, not Spoke, a winner, but like the Jags a, are a winner. Uh, okay. He's spoken like a real politician. You said a lot, but I don't know what you said. <laughs> not where Calvin Ridley wanted to go. I'll put it that way. That's how I would look at it. Yeah. If he was dreaming up his departure from Atlanta, it was not you to wind he wanted up. to go back to Atlanta with Mariota throwing? No, 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 no. I'm not saying that. I think he knew his departure was inevitable. <laughs> Uh, based on where the team was going and knowing that they can get assets for mm-hmm. his, his, you know, that caliber evident by like bringing in Drake London and then Kyle Pitts the year before, right? Like they were moving on from this. Um, but that being said, like if you were to be like Calvin Ridley, where do you want to go play in the NFL? I, the Jacksonville Jaguars are not the name that comes out of his mouth. Even if you gave let him list off his top five preferences. Yeah. Well, okay. All right. I got a question for you, Lou. Okay. We don't spend a lot of time here. I've seen a little bit about this on social media lately. I want to get your take. Do you think the trade deadline is too early in the season, too late in the season, or do you think it is just perfectly timed with the schedule I think it's for perfectly, the NFL? I think it's perfectly timed. What is it, like in the middle of the season? Where else are you going to have it? What is it, eight weeks right now? Like Where else are you going to have it? You can't have it earlier. Right, and you can't really do it too much later. I think it's perfectly right that you know slab in the middle. Uh, I know you're maybe people. Some people are saying that because of the injuries and like you want to see people coming back and what have you. But I think that's what makes the deadline even that much more enticing is because you don't know that, so you have to either shit or get out the pot type of thing. So I mean, like you have to either make a move or just like you know what, we just gotta wait for reinforcements to get back. I think it's I think it's the perfect amount of chaos uh and where it's located in the schedule. You know, I have to agree. Um, and you know we don't like to agree here on the We're Talking Football podcast. Uh, but I, I, I think this comes up because like you see other sports, right? And NFL based on percentage of games played when the trade deadline comes in is definitively lower right so it's definitively earlier in the schedule than like dude for the nba it's like almost the schedule is almost 90 percent complete before the trade deadline pops up 
I think having it where it is eliminates like obvious tanking scenarios, right? Like let's just flood these out in the final few weeks. But I also think having it where it is, it, it makes it more methodical, right? Like it makes it more calculated on teams being like, this isn't the NBA where you can just toss in the ball and be like, yo, this is basketball here, just like it's basketball anywhere else. And it might take you a game or two to get in your rhythm with the different players around you. Like in the NFL, it takes weeks to get acclimated, yeah. like weeks, Good point. right? So if it's too late, you're rolling into the playoffs with somebody that might actually be a superstar, but as a detriment to your team, right? Yeah. Because of the, 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 the type of team sport that it is. Fantastic but I point. also think, I also think and like NFL fans want, more chaos at the trade deadline because it's like this pending event in the middle of the season. And because it's a little bit before the middle of the season or kind of right at the middle point of the season, you don't see that, right? Like you don't see, I I would argue that this year and last year were like some of the, the busiest trade deadlines you've ever seen. Like I remember trade deadlines coming and going and like the people that were moved, you're like, who, who, don't even know who that is, right? That yeah. sounds like I'm trying to fill out the. We had 11 trades this deadline. I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean that's a third of the the, the, the league. I know, I, but but this is more chaotic than it's been, right? And yeah. I think what I I'm saw was a lot of teams double down. Yeah, I'm I'm into, and I, I like ex- exactly where it is. I wish the fantasy trade deadline got pushed back a little. Yes, bit. I agree with that. I agree with that. All right, last question. You and I spent a lot of the offseason talk about how on paper the AFC West now is immediately the best conference in football. Did I? So my question back to you, Lou, is the NFC East now the best division in football from where we sit today? No, I'm going to say no, because uh, I'm still not a believer on the Giants and I'm not going to throw in the Washington Commanders and the Tyler Tyler Heineke led Washington Commanders. I'm going to say the AFC East. Give me the Bills. Give me the Dolphins. Give me Bill Belichick and the and, and the, the Patriots. Even though they're not as what they were in the past, they're still tough because of the coaching that they have there. And hell, give me the Jets. The Jets are a better team from uh, uh, talent wise than, than the Giants, right? And I'm going to say that give me the AFC East. Yeah, I like to pick, um, you know, listen, on paper, right? Like every team in the NFC East is above 500. Your last place team in the division is essentially half a game out of the playoff contention right now. I don't think I've ever in my lifetime seen four teams from the same conference go to the playoffs before. A little bit harder when there were six teams versus seven teams. I, I understand that. But um, I agree with you because I do, I do think – I'll be honest with you. I think outside of Philly, every team in that division is a pretender. Um, You know, I think it's competition to play. Um, I think it's circumstantial in some, you know, obvious cases. I do think we're about to see the Giants come back to reality, right? Like I think the, the commanders have won some of those like crazy hectic games that they probably had no business being in in the first place. I don't know how I feel about the DAC led Cowboys, right? Like I, I don't, I don't know, um, but they don't the feel co- with the Cowboys. It's the it's the, it's coaching. the coaching, yeah. Um, that and, I I'm gonna, and I'm gonna back. and I'm gonna pick the division who has the best coaching. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. Um, you know, part of me is still biased towards our our initial reaction coming into the season around the AFC West. Mahomes, 
Um, I know you're just talking about coaching and I, I know how you feel about your own head coach. Right. But I, I know that I know for a fact, the talents there um, on, on the squad, I think of the Broncos again, poorly coached right now, but I know they have talent as well. Um, the Raiders, again, I would chalk up to coaching and we've, we've seen this movie before with Josh McDaniels as a head coach, but like, I know they're very talented on both sides of the football um, and I feel like it could slide either way. So I would hedge still towards like the AFC West. And I know that's cliche, but I can't even, I can't even dispute your point around the, the AFC East. Um, you got three teams in the top hat that are, are competitive right now. And you got four arguably really good head coaches in, in that conference. So, um, but I don't think, and I, I think the, the standings say it is, but I don't believe that to be true. And that's why I had to ask you. Yeah. All right, Lou, let's get out of uh, our hot topics. We spent longer than we normally do there. Let's jump into some of our, our hometown takes. This feels like it might be a light session, um, but we'll begin with your LA Charger, Chargers who enjoyed a bye week last week. So where I'm curious, Lou, since you didn't have a game to watch, how do you feel Coming out of the bye, what do you feel they have to do to get back to being like relevant like they were to start this season in the playoff consideration? I'm going to start this hometown take with the Chargers with a rant. I'm going to finish it and how I would fix them. All right. So I'm just letting you know. All right. The Chargers have always been, currently are, and always will be a losing organization. All right. They have a losing mentality, and, and it all comes from complacency. So you were telling people before, right? <clears throat> if you wanted to be entertained, follow me on Twitter, you know, you know, Lou Garini, uh, because I had a mantra leading up into this trade deadline. My mantra is complacency is the enemy of progress. All right. This all stems from the front office of the Chargers, whether they were in San Diego to Los Angeles. I don't care where the hell they were. It's always the front office. Keenan Allen had a setback on the bye with his hamstring. They knew that. They knew that. They knew Mike Williams was going to be out for multiple games. They know Josh Palmer has two concussions already. And they felt comfortable to do absolutely nothing to bolster these practice squad wide receiver players that they're just trotting out there. This is gross negligence. It's ignorance and arrogance from a team that's supposed to be all in. That was the, that was their mantra this year. We're all in. We're all in. No, that's a fucking facade, all right? This reeks of a silent white flag, meaning we're giving up. Why would they do something if they're still in contention, right? That's what's the most upsetting thing because they are still in contention. I don't know why. Maybe it's for the fact that they thought that they had way too many injuries to overcome this year to be considered serious contention, uh, serious contenders. Like I said, this is me just speculating. But I personally think the Los Angeles Chargers, the San Diego Chargers, or whatever the hell, the AFL Chargers, they're nothing but frauds. They want to pretend like they belong at the big boy table now that they're in L.A. But guess what? They don't belong at the big boy table. Get your ass back to the kiddie table and where you friggin' belong. I'm done with I'm done with this whole complacency. We'll wait. This pull and pray method of we'll just see how things go type of stuff. They never put their foot on the gas pedal. They never put their foot on the neck. They never you know sweep the leg. Whatever 
cliche metaphor you want to make, they ain't doing it. All right. And it's just ridiculously frustrating. And why I'm so upset. I've always said this too. History repeats itself, right? There's a precedent of this. We've seen this before with Philip Rivers. They wasted uh, 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 franchise quarterbacks' glory years with the with this type of bullshit. They're going to do the same thing with Justin Herbert. You just wait and watch. Justin Herbert is is not being as good as he was in the last couple of years. Everyone's comparing him to Tua and Burrow. Well, Burrow has Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, and, and you know T. Higgins thrown to right. He has, you know, uh, <clears throat> Mixon in the, in the backfield. Listen, you want to go who Tua has? Tua has one, two of the fastest receivers in the NFL, plus Gusecki, all right? Who do, who is Herbert have this year? He they The Chargers have had injuries through their top five wide receivers. How do you expect him to play at, a, at an elite level with throwing people – that have no business that will be selling insurance in the off season because this is not their main job and they have no business being on the field. That's it. All right. So there's the rant. How do you fix it? What do they need to do outside yeah. of the obvious of like, cause they can't now the trade deadline. What do, <clears throat> what do they do with, with the men that with the, the 53 that they have? All right. So the, Five steps. We're going to start on offense. Step number one, get your best players on the field, all right? You can't have these receivers have no business being on the field, being on the field. So what does that mean? Use multiple – first of all, you got to use multiple uh, running back sets. Eckler, throw him out there more as a slot receiver. You move in the backfield. You got to hope that hopefully uh, Isaiah Spiller – is up to par to you know start handling more of a load, being that he has a little more uh, familiarity with the offense. So you use multiple running back schemes. Basically, what I'm asking them to do is just look at what the Cowboys are doing, right? Look at what the Packers have done in the years past. They they use their running backs more and in a better way because they don't have all the talent from the skill position from uh, the wide receiver or tight end, right? You gotta, you gotta do, you gotta start with getting your best players, and also figure out what type of running scheme you want to run. Is it zone? Is it power? It should be power because their guys are not athletic uh, from the standpoint, especially from injuries. So figure out what type of running scheme. So that's step number one: get your best players on the field for your offense. Step number two: become more creative from a play calling standpoint. All right, Lombardi, the offensive coordinator of the Los Angeles Chargers has to stop calling plays like a 22-year-old Madden player. You know what I'm talking about? They have three plays, right? You keep on going you keep on going right back to the well cuz there's the only three plays that you know. He needs to cut that shit out, all right? I get it. They have no speed so they can't really rely on those deep shots and you want to get the ball out of Herbert's hand quick. I get all that, but there's other ways to to, to do that besides running stick routes, switch it up. Use some mesh concepts where, you know, you have a bunch of drag routes going across the field, creating chaos. Defenders are running into each other. You've given your receivers the ability to run after the catch. Just switch it up, all right? Stop doing the same shit over and over again, all right? That's step number two. Step number three, get Herbert outside of the goddamn pocket, all right? 
look at all these quarterbacks who are mobile and athletic. Josh Allen, Mahomes, Kyler Murray. Where are they the most dangerous, Weston, when they're outside the pocket, right? I'm sorry. That was a rhetorical question. I wasn't expecting to answer. I, I was I was jumping up to answer. I, I saw I was, that. I was leaning back in my chair. I was like, oh, no, it's my sorry, cue. <laughs> sorry you had to do a sit-up there, so I apologize for that. All right. So <clears throat> it's time to become why – why are they more effective when they're outside the pocket? Because now it becomes more of a backyard ball, right? You're, you're buying time so your skill position players to, you know, kind of, you know, you know, get open down the field. But what you're really doing is putting pressure on the defense to play discipline and to stay in their passing lanes. And that's really hard for the longer you buy time. Get Herbert on designed outside-the-pocket type of throws, whether they're rollouts or what have you, RPOs. I don't care. You need to create chaos from the skill position because these wide receivers cannot win these one-on-one matchups, all right? So though that's how you fix the offense. If you want to go to defense, any questions, though? I feel like I'm teaching a class right now. No. Uh, sir, I've, I have been paying attention. Uh, no questions. I think, the, the for me, the biggest point is uh, getting Herbert on the move, getting him outside the tackles. Um, I I'm, think not saying, I'm not saying you make him you – know, don't make him running quarterback. I get the ribs. I get that. No, Just but – I'm saying simple things, right? Like, yes, move the pocket, right? Change the launch point, essentially, right, is what it boils down to. But also, like, make make defenders have to make a decision, right? Herbert's mobile enough. Like, and if I'm a linebacker who's just floating – do I need to step up and do I need to do I need to go attack him? Oh, and when I do, I leave my responsibility. He can dump it right over me. If not, Herbert's plenty capable of picking up five, six, seven yards, even stepping out of bounds, right? Like because he's outside the tackle. He doesn't have to take the hit. He doesn't have to do those things. Fantastic. And if that's first down, you're second and four, right? Versus second and ten. And he's Manageable also fantastic. He's a fantastic slider. Yeah. Because he played baseball in high school. All right, that's the offense, Weston. Let's go on the other side of the, fo- uh, the football, the defensive side. Step one. Look at step one on the offensive side of the ball, what I just said. Get your best players on the field. It sounds so simple and so, uh, so, you know, so easy, but they haven't been doing it. They lost Joey Bosa. They have no pass rush, right? <clears throat> you, need to, you need to change Derwin James's position, make him an edge rusher, uh, because you cannot have – an agent Khalil Mack and an agent Kyle Van Noy out there 90% of the time uh, trying to apply pressure. They're going to break down. They're going to lose their efficiency. So you move. You say, Duran, it was nice knowing you from the strong safety position or the slot corner, but right now you are an edge rusher until Joey Bosa gets back. You will be in a rotation with the other guys. All right? You make him. When is Bosa back? Who the fuck knows? Everyone's day-to-day on this team, including me and my fandom with them. So I have no idea. So I guess why I'm asking, is he back next next week? No, dude. <laughs> dude. <laughs> you, you probably well, back we probably have the Bosa brother match. No, we will not. We will okay. not. Yeah, definitely not. Um, so you need to drop Derwin James into the box as an edge rusher so he can apply. He's a fantastic blitzer. He has the strength enough. You drop, don't drop him on first down and 10, right? You drop him on second and long, third and long. I mean, you you come uh, have him bring him up on second and long, third and long, more of uh, passing downs so he doesn't have to take the beating of, you know, uh, the trenches when it comes to, you know, uh, the team's trying to run at him or what have you. So just more 
predictable passing type of situations. You drop him down. And then you figure out the back end of your defense with the safeties. What's the best combination there? Is it Adderley and Gilman, right? Is it Adderley and uh, the, the rookie JT Woods? It's not. Uh, so it I, might I, be. It might be. The guy, the guy can't tackle. In the Where's Craig court. right now? Where's Craig? You don't need him. He's a ball hawk, dude. Like, let him play center field. So, <laughs> all right, well, that's neither here nor there. But figure out whatever you think is your best safety combinations. Use those one of those three safeties as, you know, as the safeties as when Derwin James is an edge rusher. That's step number one. Step number two, stop being so goddamn rigid. I get it. Staley has his scheme. He wants to have as many people in coverage as possible and not really blitz so much. But you have to know when to cut your losses. They aren't getting there, all right? They're not getting there with their front. So what you need to do is go in the lab, get in your bag, whatever other saying, cliche you want to use here, and start creating some exotic blitzes so that you can uh, apply pressure and get the ball out of these quarterbacks' hands quicker, all right? It's a copycat game. You hear that all the time. All you would have to do is literally look over to what's going on there in, in New Jersey or New York or what have you with the New York Giants and see what Wink Martindale is doing with that team. That the, 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 the Chargers defense is, from a talent standpoint, probably better than the Giants, right? But he creates such fantastic matchups and makes offensive lines and quarterbacks make quick decisions. Like – and it's fantastic. He, you need to do that. He makes them make decisions. That's, exactly. the, that's the thing that I look at like this. Like, if I'm a defense coordinator, I'd rather get beat all day because I was aggressive and forced the quarterback to make decisions, and that quarterback made the right decisions versus, like, sitting back just getting picked apart. Like, that's not fun either. Look how, look how when they when they did that, the one time they did that against the Broncos, I know it's the Broncos and it's their offense, and it's, it's, it's broken, but look how effective it was. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because there's not so much film on the Chargers blitzing, right? Nope. That's what you got to do. They need to adapt or they're going to die. All right. Final question here. You asked me this question last week in our, our hot topic portion of the conversation. I'll ask you right now that we're talking about Chargers. Walking into 2023, is Brandon Staley, if it's up to you, is he your head coach? Up to me? No, because I have, I have common sense. There's a guy out there right now that's clamoring. This guy, he is sending such strong signals. His name is Sean Payton. I get you would have to trade a draft pick for him. But wouldn't you want the the mentality and the thought process of a a known proven winner? He, You have to listen to what he said on on Twitter. Uh, He literally came up with an interview saying how much he loves L.A. He never wants to leave L.A. He starts talking. He literally, the last three weeks, he, he keeps on referencing the Chargers as using them as examples. You don't think that's him flirting? You don't think that's him flirting? He's saying he only wants to come back to, you know, certain, you know, he wants to come back to coaching, but only certain type of situations that would make sense. He doesn't want to go to uh, a, a team where there's improper infrastructure and what have you. You kick out Tom Telesco because that guy is a bum. He's had, they've had one season of double-digit wins since he's been there. He's under 500. Mm, he's out. The only time he makes good draft picks when they fall in his lap. And after that, 
He cannot do anything. You get rid of him. You give Sean Payton. You give him maybe a little. Uh, if you need to attract, to, you know, the the ability to roster creation, you give him you know, a taste of that too. I'm sorry. You want to be. You want to fight and win LA. You want to be considered one of the, the 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 big boys at the table. You got to start doing big boy things, and and it's going to be uncomfortable. But guess what? It's that's what big boys do. Yeah, and I think Sean Payton would love the opportunity to work with Justin Herbert. What he's saying when he wants to go into the right organization, he's like, I don't want to, I don't want to train some rookie quarterback, right? Like, I don't want, like, I want somebody who knows how to play this football game and then can learn and quickly learn how to play it my way and will be just fine, right? Like, um, and I'm just curious. I, I, I tend to agree with you. I think like it's very evident that the Brandon Staley, like stick, if you will, like the, you know, everybody celebrate him for you. You included me, excuse me, me included being aggressive on those fourth downs and doing that all last year. And, you know, parlaying that into all in this year. Um, He's broken. He's broken. Yeah. The buy-in doesn't see the same. Just doesn't seem the same. You know, he's nothing but he's nothing but, you know, he's nothing but a good soundbite. That's all he is. And I'm telling you right now, He's broken. They, they they are just not making good decisions on the field. Yeah. All right. So there you have it, Charger fans. Um, hope you enjoyed the bye week. And this week it's back at it. Um, I think you are at Atlanta. At Atlanta. And so a one o'clock game, East Coast. Should uh, be easy. Physical physical yeah. team. Yeah, it's gonna yeah, be easy. A team that's gonna try to run the football all over you. Um yeah. Hey, they're no slouch. That's the first place team in the NFC South. <laughs> they are a better team than the Chargers. So, all right. Well, we'll find out. So, my 49ers travel down to LA to, as it's affectionately become known as Levi South, i.e., SoFi Stadium, for to play the LA Rams. So, Lou, I told you I would give you your props. I was tell, tell the listeners what happened. No, no, tell the listeners what happened. We were doing our pickums last week. Do you remember? Did you like me? Well, I mean, the, the moral of the story is I picked the Rams to win. And, and I, I and you were like trying to like persuade me, like, this isn't how can you pick the Niners after seeing what we just seen? And then I stood up and I fought against you, Wes, and I go, yes, No, you did. no. Yes, you did. Time and time and time again, I always want to pick the Niners against the Rams, and you always talk me in. Not this time. Okay. So, again, I was wrong. Lou was right. Let's talk about this for a minute. So, one of the things I said last week is I have been given zero evidence over the prior two weeks that this 49er team was ready to compete in any capacity, right? I would say they got dragged around by the aforementioned Atlanta Falcons got embarrassed late in the game by the Kansas city chiefs. And yes, I do realize they're the Kansas city chiefs, but it felt like at that time injuries had just taken its toll. I'm still trying to get their footing. It just felt too eerily similar to last year's start. Right. And it felt too easy. Now, Leading into the game on Sunday, I spent some time texting with, I'll leave names out of it because I never want to throw anybody on the bus, but somebody who's been on this show with us before, a 49ers fan. And we were talking about the game. And we brought up this Kyle versus McVay myth, 
right, leading into the game. And I was just like, I don't care. And this person agreed. I don't care about what Kyle has done to McVay in the seven previous regular season games. And I don't care because I know how we've been playing. And I look at this like, you know damn well Sean McVay is clearly aware of what his record is against his mentor in some capacity, Kyle Shanahan. Don't tell me he's not aware because it's all it's talked about in the whole week leading up to every time we play over the last five matchups, right? It's all that's been talked about. And in my eyes, 49ers have put bad product on paper and the Rams were coming off a bye week where they had two weeks to prepare, two weeks for McVay to potentially remo- remove that stink from the record of like, dude, like a, a quarter of his losses as a head coach or against the 49ers, right? Like forget the other 13 teams, 14 teams you play in an NFL season, right? Like they're against the 49ers. Like he's a very aware individual. Like you see it in his urgency when they're playing the 49ers. I mean, this dude has ran into the tunnel to congratulate somebody, ran onto the field to congratulate somebody for scoring a touchdown in this matchup. He knew, right? So I, I said, they're geared, they're ready. But what the hell do I know? I think this thing that's a myth is actually freaking reality, right? Like, I mean, dude, even the way that game started, you're like, oh, Rams mean business, right? Like, they're going down the field, go up 7-0, 49ers pop back in, make it 7-7, all right? Then they go up 14-7, and, like, this 49ers team is not really built to play from behind, right? Like, they need to play a close football game or they need to play from the lead. Uh, we talked about last week what Kyle Shanahan's record is going into the second half or going into the fourth quarter by trailing by any amount of points, and it doesn't favor us. All right. So again, Lou, you were right. I was wrong. This reared its ugly head, and we'll talk about it in a segment or two about our records for the week. But I am I still I don't want to buy into this big brother thing, even though I bit into it for years when Russell Wilson was clearly the 49ers big brother um, and and still prove somehow, some way he is the boogeyman for us. But Kyle Shanahan is the boogeyman for Sean McVay. It's just a fact. But let's talk about it. So I usually break it out to bad and good. Hard to find bad when you beat a division opponent and you beat them in the way that you you did. Um, So I'm I'm trying to not be biased here, but there really wasn't a lot of bad things put on tape in this particular game, plus or minus some plays here. I do think the offensive line was a little spotty at times, a little suspect. Um, I know the Rams had a couple sacks. Two of them should have been called for face mask penalties where they're like, I don't know if you saw one, Leonard Floyd literally like was poking Jimmy G in the eye and Leonard Floyd literally got up and looked around for the flag before he even started celebrating and they never, they never threw it. Um, But I'm not, I'm not naive. There's two plays in particular that easily could have changed the complexion and the outcome of this game. One of them was a Christian McCaffrey fumble on a run where the ball just popped straight up in the air and somehow landed into Ray Ray McLeod's lap and Ray Ray McLeod was laying on the ground, right? Like, and it just landed in his lap. We keep the possession, go down get points out of it. Jimmy, we all know every once in a while just makes that throw in a game. Sometimes it bites you in the ass. Sometimes it doesn't. This time it didn't bite you in the ass, but that ball hit Jalen Ramsey dead in his hands in our territory. And he dropped the interception three times on the Mm -hmm. same play, dropped the ball. 
either one of those go the other way, game looks different, right? Like it, it just it just does. So you now you go from like potentially two turnovers to no turnover, quarterback potentially losing you the game, quarterback not losing you the game. Um, so those are those are some bad things, right? Because it was still like, hey, you're running back. They just trade a lot for it, put the ball on the floor, right? Hey, your quarterback still doing some of those things that you're always worried that he's going to do. So let, let's talk about some of the good. I'll start with Jimmy because it's not so obvious. Outside of that, Jimmy played a heck of a ball game. Um, I, I, I liken him to when he's at his best, he plays like Alex Smith. He's not losing you the game. He makes smart decisions. He gets the ball out fast, and he'll make a good throw from time to time. The touchdown pass to McCaffrey, that's a good throw, right? Like, he knew he was getting when open. I, when I saw that, I thought he was thrown out in the back of the end zone. It was such a weird trajectory. It was. I mean, listen, it wasn't the best looking throw, right? But it ended exactly. up being it ended up being the right placement. It was one of those where like it's almost like I'm gonna put it where I think he can get it. And if he doesn't get it, it's gonna go out of bounds, right? So yeah. it's not gonna hurt us to try to like thread the needle there, loft it up. But McCaffrey wasn't open. He just and this is what Jimmy does sometimes and why the ball's late is sometimes he waits till you are open, right? He doesn't throw to the window and do those sort of things. That ball was put to the window. And McCaffrey went and got it, and he saw the matchup and knew McCaffrey had a full head of steam. The other guy was flat-footed. He knew he was going to go get behind him. The touchdown to George Kittle towards the end of the game. Yes, Kittle was open for, I'd argue, 40 yards running across the field by the time he threw it. But even when he did throw it, he, he fitted into a window. Good ball. Only his receiver can catch it. But at the end of the day, there's no turnovers to his names. In, his, in the, the sacks that they had, uh, they weren't in crippling scenarios. I mean, efficient, he was super efficient. I think he completed like 84% of his passes when all was said and done, right? Like that doesn't that doesn't happen. Played a good football game. When your quarterback, when this team that does have talent around it, the quarterback doesn't give away the game, put the defense or the other offense in an opportune spots, chances are we're going to win the football game, just the way it goes. Um, now I'll go to the really obvious, and, and that's Christian McCaffrey. Throwing for a touchdown, catching a touchdown, rushing for a touchdown, all in the same game. First player to do it since 2005 when your boy, number 21, LaDainian Tomlinson, did that as well. I mean, you can't watch this game and tell me that Christian McCaffrey, in the right offense, under the right circumstances, is not a difference maker. We can argue about what was given up for what position, et cetera. For all I know, next week he could be injured, and that's the end of it. It's like investment flushed but you saw that incorporation into the offense with essentially a week of game planning right now we're going to head into the bye week with two weeks of game planning oh by the way and being able to pair him opposite of Debo Samuel and these guys have some similar skill sets right like that's a scary proposition for the team you talk about you want your guys to get into the lab and get creative dive into the bag whatever it is you want to use don't talk I mean, Kyle's not relishing in that opportunity. Like, yo, I get to put 23 and 19 on the same field at the same time. Let me see how this works. Now, this only goes as far as the quarterback can take it. That's that's the truth, right? Like, there's got to be some things happen. But, I mean, like, listen, at the end of the day, the offense was was humming, was clicking, felt good. Um, game got out of hand in, in, in the second half. But I was really nervous coming into this game, especially, listen, they're, they're, they've been depleted. Injury-wise, I know I'm singing the same old song and preaching to the choir because you know how this goes on the defensive side of the ball. 
But what what I thought think stood out the most was the the three Ram killers. Debo Samuel is a Ram killer. Dre Greenlaw on the defensive side of the ball is a Ram killer. And we still haven't fully incorporated Daniel Brunskill back into the offensive line. He's like a rotational basis. Dude, you know this joke as well as I do for the last four years. Everybody calls Daniel Brunskill Aaron McDonald, Aaron Donald's daddy, right? Like he does. It's just one of those, like, like Shanahan owns McVay somehow, some way. Brunskill has had Donald's number, you know, and, and Donald tends to disappear against the 49ers. And I know styles make fights. I get all of that. And they know how to scheme um, against it. And, and we line up well, but you want to know what my favorite thing about this game was the opportunity for Brandon Ayuk to be the number one, right? So when I'm in an obvious passing situation and there's no threat of Debo, some of those, most of those obvious passing situations, Christian McCaffrey wasn't even on the field, believe it or not. Right. Like I still think they don't, yeah, he's can't not have him on the feet. He he's the not fully up to speed on pass pro. Exactly. That's what it comes down to. Um, well, he'll get there, right? Like he's plenty capable of doing it. Just not our pass pro, but I think Ayuk got another chance to show, he could be a one at other places. I think people overlook because they just tend to think of like how special Debo is that Ayuk is pretty special before and after the catch as well, right? Like he's part of that yak brother uh, conversation. He makes people misses, uh, makes people miss, etc. So that's what I loved most about the game was uh, just, just watching. I'm a big fan of Brandon Ayuk. I think he's super talented, right? Like we all talked about in the beginning of last year, somehow, some way he found himself in Kyle Shanahan's doghouse after a pretty stellar rookie year. Um, but it's not, doesn't go unnoticed that the last three weeks he's gotten a ton of targets, yeah. right? And he's been productive with those targets. But I think for me, this is what really makes me smile is look, we're four and four heading into the bye week. Uh, the Rams just always seem to be the get-right game on the on the schedule. Where this is the, the exact game where we changed the tide last year and went on that run towards the end of the year. Um, we're one game out of the NFC West and still sitting in a playoff seed. And coming out of the bye week, we're getting a bunch of people back, dude. Eric Armstead's coming back. Dre Greenlaw will be back. Aziz Alshier will be back. Elijah Mitchell will be back. Kyle Juszczyk will be back. Debo will be back. Jason Verrett can potentially get on the field finally and see how that goes. Like, again, it's just another body, right? Like, if he's half of what he was his last full year with the 49ers, he's an upgrade as to who they're trotting out against, you know, opposite uh, Mooney Ward right now, you know. Um, so, that that's that's some positivity and and I, I think the last piece and i already mentioned it so i'll be redundant is just two more weeks right now for kyle to be that mad scientist get in the lab and be like what can i do with number 19 and number 23 on the field at the same time yes and what did i say before though history repeats itself you were saying that like before they played the rams this past week uh you were like <clears throat> i can't picture this team from where they were weeks prior defeating the Rams and the Rams coming off the bye. But we've said this numerous times throughout the years, Leslie. Like, we've said this too. It's not like last year the Niners were playing great before they played, you know, the Rams. Uh, it was always a question, like, this, this, they cannot compete against the Rams type of thing. And it's just there are these teams that always have each other's numbers and the Niners 
always have. They just match up well against them. Their philosophy, what they want to do, and how how they're so contrarian, it's just they always match up against the Rams well from a personnel and schematic standpoint. Now let's see if they can do it again if it comes to it when it matters, right? Because the Rams can still tip their hat and say, mm, got you when it counted the most, right? Well, will, the, will the Rams get there, though, this season? Um, we'll talk about that. So, Lou, that's what I got for the 49ers versus Rams. I now get to, to go into the bye week, pretend to be part of my family for the weekend again, and I quickly will be needing my fix and get back into it because we follow up, come off the bye, home Sunday night against your L.A. Chargers. I know. All right. So, Lou, what are you freaking out about? That two weeks from now, the Chargers <laughs> are going to be in San Francisco with all your fucking players back. Yeah. No, coming, all, coming off a bye. Uh, all kidding aside, uh, I'll start with the Atlanta Falcons. If, uh, if I'm Falcons fans, if I'm the fan of the Dirty Birds, you have to be ecstatic. They're currently in sole position first place in the NFC South, right, with a 4-4 four and four record. Who would have thunk that? eight games into the season that Atlanta Falcons fans would be focused on meaningful football as opposed to next year's NFL draft. So uh, it was a t- it's a testament to good coaching, Arthur Smith, and really turn around that defense and just stay and stick in with his beliefs and it actually working, you know, that powerful run game and what have you. So uh, if I'm Atlanta Falcons fans, I'm doing the dirty bird kicking for three. Yeah, it's, it's so funny because, you know, I normally come into these negative Nancy, right? Like I re- mm-hmm. very rarely rave about anybody, but I had a rave team where I was if I'd be excited that I'm freaking out about. And it was the Atlanta Falcons. Like, dude, this is a Marcus Mariota led team. When they traded away Matt Ryan, everything said rebuild around some of the players that we have. Right. Like you got rid of the face of the franchise. Mariota Mariota was a stopgap. Like who'd they draft? Who's the rookie? Um, Ritter. Right. Desmond Ritter. Right. Like you thought the team would be eventually handed over to him at some point in the season. Um, I get some things have changed. They're also doing a limited playmakers. We talked about no Ridley. Right. Um, You're still seeing Drake London slowly adapting to this, this um, Arthur Smith style of offense. Kyle Pitts for all intents and purposes outside of last week has been MIA dude, right? Like he has not been around and no Cordero Patterson who's been the focal point of that offense for the last two seasons and even the the start of this season. So they're doing it with nobody. So like I use the exact terminology, dirty birds, enjoy your first place for the time being. And why I say the time being and where I'll put my negative spin on this is Tom Brady just announced officially his divorce from Giselle So I fully expect the Tampa Bay Buccaneers (laughs) to right this ship real fast and regain control over this division in short order. That was was dead weight holding him down. And just like that time, Brady lost 120 pounds. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, lost 120 pounds and is going to go for Super Bowl rings. He he looks like he's uh, moving faster out there, there, uh, Weston. (laughs) Yeah, he just literally found the fountain of youth and he's no longer 45. He's 32 and he will... He'll figure it out. Um, that's a lot of weight to drop, right? Um, and I think now that he can just focus in on the remainder of the season, that spells trouble. But for the Atlanta Falcons, feel good about where you're at. Yep, yep, yep. I'm gonna I'm gonna dive into a negative. I'll let you go, and then we can move on. But we just talked about them, and I'm talking about the LA Rams, like this whole McVay Shanahan boogeyman. The woes continue. We just talked about it. 
Um, but again, what's more perplexing if I'm sitting there as a Rams fan, a couple of things had two weeks to prepare for this game, two weeks to kind of rip that proverbial monkey off your back. And it just didn't look like they were prepared outside their scripted 15 to 30, right? Like we talked about this last week on that Kyle Shanahan coaching tree, right? These guys are geniuses at drawing up the initial plays, but where's, where are the adjustments? I mean, do they went into the at the half of 14, 10 and then got blanked blanked in the second half, dude, like, blanked like they didn't even cross the 50 in the which second is, which is interesting because usually it's kyle shannon that's trouble in the that's second half when the when the niners are down so that's what i'm saying and the other thing is like what is les need always done he said f those picks i'm gonna go get players and at this time last year that was von, von miller, miller and Odell. obj right no movement this year tried I'm not saying he did. Hey, he tried for Christian McCaffrey, which would have been a home run for he what tried, that he tried offense for Brian needed. Burns, two first round yep. picks, man. So, it, it listen, like, but where's like the backup plan? Like, something's needed. I get, I think what's even more perplexing is we heard for weeks, or at least I do, right? Because being an NFC West guy, I see all these other teams and they talk about, like, what do we talk about was missing from this offense? And I've said Robert Woods, right? Allen Robinson is not Robert Woods. Robert Woods fit this offense to a T. He was the perfect complement to Cooper Cup. And then you seed OBJ in there and, like, another another weapon. Like, Robinson doesn't open it up like some of those other guys do. But you know what Rams fans and everybody in the media kept talking about? is like Van Jefferson coming back, Van Jefferson coming back, Van Jefferson coming back. I don't even know if Van Jefferson had a target in the game. On Sunday, I'm telling you, it's not, it's not Robert Woods, man, that they're missing. You know, it's 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 Whitworth. Their offensive line is really bad, and there's not a single person on the offensive line that you can hang your hat on. But like, this person is going to do their job. It's affected their running game. They've always were fantastic with those zone, uh, those wide zone run concepts, right? And also, Matthew Stafford has been under pressure. Matthew Stafford is a big arm quarterback that wants to push the ball down the field. You can't do that off a of play action, especially if you don't have time. And I'm telling you right now, watching them, they just they look soft, they look confused. It's the offensive line, in particular, Whitworth. He he, he held that spot down for so long with the Bengals and the Rams. Uh, it's just, and they just thought they could have replaced him with. Uh, uh, no boom, I think his yeah. name is. And I think he's injured too. And he's I, been banged up too. Yeah. Um, funny. I, and I agree. Right. Like, I think you, you, you appreciate a player like Whitworth when he's not there. Right. Like, wow, this guy was really good. And you know what? I love for so many reasons that he's not there. I think he's great on Thursday night. Um, I, I love watching him in the broadcast. He's a funny follow on Twitter and his wife like gets into it as well. And she's funny. So like the Whitworth family, like they're, I can now root for the Whitworth family because I don't have to like worry about him being on the opposing team and him flaunting his Super Bowl ring in, in, in front of me, um, et cetera. But I don't, did you watch, and you can be honest, did you watch any of the 49ers game like outside of this like red zone, like flipping back and just, forth? Anything just like red that? zone, man. Yeah, sure. it's tough because it was, what was so aggravating about this game is for like three days leading up to it when you're watching the World Series because Fox is covering the World Series. Fox is like game of the week, game of the week, game of the week. So if any other market, if you were in outside of our own market, 
you would have had the 49ers Rams game on TV at four o'clock on Fox. But because we live in giant country, the Giants were playing at 425 in Seattle on Fox. Right. So that's the game that you got. So obviously I'm I'm able to watch it because I subscribe to all the services. But one of the things that Greg Olson mentioned, who, by the way, is a very underrated commentator. He is very solid. I put him up there like second to Tony Romo right now in the game and what they're doing. Greg Olson is solid. He he made a really interesting comment. And he said in the NFL, you know, like we always talk about how some teams like you have to at least attempt to run the football. Like you have to pretend that you want to run the football. You have to build credibility in your play action and blah, 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 blah. He sat there and he's like, that's all nonsense. He's like, you know what you need to do? You need to be, you don't even have to pretend to run the football. You don't. You just need to be in situations that you could run the football, right? Like second and three, third and two, things that you're like, damn, this team hasn't run the football all day, but they might right now. So I have to account for it, even though they're not going to. I think the and why I'm bringing this up is the point that you made about the Rams, about the the line, right? Not in missing Whitworth. I mean, dude, in pass pro, they only gave up two sacks against the 49ers defensive line, who even with like – You can't just show sacks, though. No, but I'm not. What, I, what I'm agreeing with you is that they're porous in the run game. Yeah. They're they're porous in the run game. And and why and, – and, again, Greg Olson calls this out – is like they're running in like non-running scenarios, right? Like so it just feels weird and then they don't have the – the talent to get to the second level and do those things where other teams can just stop their run game with four. Like they don't have to run blitz. They don't have to stack the box. They don't have to do anything. They can just do it with that. But like their pass, what's made their passing game so great in the past, like all Shanahan tree people is play action and the ability to run the football. They, all those teams run the football, you know, but to Olsen's point, and I think it is very valuable and very valid. You, you don't even need to run the football. You just need to be in running down situations, right? Like the thought has to be there. So even if it's like you've never you, – let's say you have not run the ball once, but you're in second and three, and Stafford goes into a play action, you're like, oh, shit, they're finally running the ball, right? Like, And it causes the, the linebackers just to react and creep up, a safety to creep up, and boom, there's the home run ball of the cup before you know it, you know? Counter um, there's no threat. Counter argument, that's exactly what the L.A. Chargers try to do. Could you not? They tried. They literally tried it. That's why they haven't been pushing the ball. They want to get in second and third and manageable, and they still can't. It's they can't execute. You still need to execute that. And yeah, I get, agree. It sounds great. It's like communism. The theory sounds great and all, but you need to execute. So, all sorry. I'm just. Uh, I'm a really jaded person today. All good. Do you got another freaking out, or do you want? To yeah, move I got. I got one more, real quick. Um, okay. New York Jets. It was fun while it lasted, right? Uh, you're a good team, but you have an awful quarterback. You know how this goes. Uh, Zach Wilson leads the league in uh, dropbacks and where fans say, get rid of the ball, because I'll tell you right now, he he looks completely lost, and some of the plays he makes are completely boneheaded, boneheaded. And look at their upcoming opponents, Buffalo, at New England, at Minnesota, at Buffalo, at Seattle, at Miami. How many of those do you think they're going to win? So uh, congratulations, Jets. You play some meaningful, full, meaningful football up until the end of October, um, and your run's over. They needed to win that game. 
They um, needed to win that game to give him a little breathing room because yeah. now they now they take on the, the 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 Bills. It just builds momentum, builds credence around it. Not that they would have any shot to beat Buffalo, but you know the only shot you have to beat a team like Buffalo is to believe in yourself. And I think that air has been deflated. But what did when we were doing our pickums last week? What did I say when we picked the Patriots? Because we both picked the Patriots. Said I think this feels like a game where Belichick got embarrassed on national TV the week before he was going to make this the Sam Darnold game where Zach Wilson was going to see ghosts. Now there's no report of Zach Wilson seeing ghosts uh, audible and legible from the, the media broadcast, but some of those, some of those throws, man, just like, where are you, where, where are you even throwing it to? You know what I mean? What's the over under of uh, Wilson getting benched? I say three and a half games. Um, I don't think he gets benched. I, I think Ooh. you just gotta you just gotta ride. Like this is what you invested in. Um, it, it's gonna play itself out a little bit longer. I, I I do believe he's he's got a a long long leash, and I think that's because he seems like a player, dude. If he if he can be playing confidently, things can go right. Dude, right? He, when he gets sure. pressured, man, he gets fra- like he frazzles and crumbles yeah. under the pressure. Yeah, <clears throat> so you know they they got to figure out I, another one that I think they need to get on the move a little bit more. Right? Can't just sit him in the pocket like he's a uh, he's he's he, you know, he we abandons, saw at BYU. Yeah, he abandons the pocket even when it's clean. He just I know he's I just know. not disciplined. All right, all right, all right, Lou. So we head into week nine. Anything intrigue you on the schedule? Because there's not a whole lot that intrigues. I know, though. Another, another lackluster. Um, this was last week, too. Yeah. Um, Green Bay, Detroit, because now it's becoming – watching Green Bay is like a bad train wreck, and you just can't stop yourself from watching this epic collapse of this legendary organization. And I just can't turn away from it. This is a game where if Detroit comes out like in the early lead, Green Bay is not going to be able to keep up with this team. So it's, I'm very intrigued to see uh, because, you know, that, that that old saying, the immovable object and the unstoppable force, these are complete opposites, right? Yeah. This is like the very movable object and the stoppable force. Yeah. So <laughs> what's going to give here? And I'm just intrigued because I'm here for the shit show. Yeah. It's funny because I have the same note that I just can't take my I just can't take my eyes off of it, right? And part of it's because I'm just rooting for it. Like I'll, I'll be honest, like I'm not even necessarily a Green Bay Packer hater. Like I hate some other teams. I'm an Aaron Rodgers hater at this point in his career, right? Like um, I can't I can no longer take the smugness. Um, I personally don't necessarily think Matt Lafleur is this like dynamite coach i just think he found himself in an opportune place with the right signal caller you know and all was said and done um so i'm here for it right like um i'm all for that i mean me i'm most looking forward to the bye week right like i need a little bit of break from 49ers i need to get you know i can't I, i won't lie i'm not just sitting down and watching football we have this like whole huge thing on my wife's side of the family where we're taking all these family photos and whatnot and hopefully that's like earlier in the day and i can get back and watch some ball for me this is to plug some college football my football this weekend is on saturday watching the tennessee vols play the georgia bulldogs um yeah, I wish it was a night game, but that 3.30 game um, will make it work. But if I had to pick a game on the schedule, uh, I'm looking at the Seahawks and the Cardinals. Oh, interesting. 
and this is selfish, right? This is NFC West matchup. Seahawks are number one. I don't know how much I believe in what they have going right now either. I think it's a, you know, like every team in the NFC, it's it's a, a house out of a deck of cards, right? Like it, it could come crumbling down at any any moment uh, in my eyes. But like selfishly, I want to see if the Cardinals can find a way at home to piece something together. And division games tend to be a little little bit more tougher. But Lou, if I had to dream up a dream scenario going into my bye week nothing would make me smile wider than watching my team slide into first place in the division without even playing a game yeah that'd be the right that three and oh division record looks really good right now um compared to that four and four overall record do you have another game at all or i have tennessee at kansas city uh just for the mere point that it's the return of the king king henry uh, I feel like they've had some epic battles, these two teams, and I needed to get my fork and napkin ready because I need to eat some humble pie. I, I was kind of wrong on the Titans. I feel like they're the, the quietest 5-2 and two team in NFL history. Uh, it's all because of Rabel. He's a fantastic coach. Such a good coach. So man. The, the talent is not there, but yet they keep on winning, and that's when it comes – they always feel like they give Kansas City fits, and I'm just intrigued. To see if that if that continues. Yeah, I'm 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 curious as well. I mean, I had this game on the docket. It makes it easier. It's Sunday night, so it's the only game in town, right? That is the Sunday night game. Uh, but I think it's the right Sunday night matchup. I still can't escape that. I don't remember if it was no, it wasn't last year. It was the year prior where I mean they were up on Kansas City twenty one nothing in the playoffs, right? Yeah. And Kansas City came rolling back. Like Mike, we just talked about how good of a coach he is. He doesn't forget things like this, yeah. right? Like. It's an opportunity to to stick it to them. Um, and I think they play the right brand of football to match up well against Kansas City. Like, they want to punch you in the mouth on the offensive side of the ball, right? And if they can keep the defense on the field, i.e. Patrick Mahomes off the field, could could bode well, most likely won't. We'll find out in a minute here when we pick the schedule. But yep. uh, definitely an interesting matchup for me. And the only one final one that I had, again, was a selfish interest. Talk about watching train wrecks. Um, I, I'm going to be watching that Los Angeles Rams at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I just talked about how Tom Brady shed that dead weight, perfect opponent walking in, licking their wounds. Um, I'm, I'm all right. If Tampa Bay goes ahead and puts a Molly Wap on the LA Rams to create another buffer. Uh, I'm totally fine with that. Yeah. That's, that's, I think we're going to talk about it in a second, but that's a hard game to pick. Hard game to pick. All right. So. Let's get in to the pickums. Lou. Last week. I'll start with me because I was the underachiever at 12 and 3. You, sir, were 13 and 2. That's insane, man. I'm That's so impressive. Man. I'm so good. That's impressive. <laughs> this is I'm so fly. Uh, this was the week that we had three games different from one another, right? And honest to God. Halfway through those four o'clock games, I'm like, oh my God, I'm gonna make up three. I'm gonna make up three games on Lou, right? Like going into halftime of the 49ers game, I'm like 14-10. We don't really play good in the second half. Um what was it not who was Washington playing? Um who did hold they on. play? I had gotten the where are we at? I didn't even know I lost two games. I thought I only lost one. 
I, no, I, you I, lost I, the Saints Raiders. I know that one. That's what's the other one I lost? Monday night, we both lost the Bengals game. We both picked Bengals. Oh yeah, I forgot yeah, about that. Browns Bengals. Um, okay. Yeah. Oh, the Colts. I picked the. Oh no. Yeah, you picked the Colts. You picked. I the picked Colts. the Colts. I originally said Washington. Changed my mind to the Colts. You put Washington, and that game came down to the the nitty gritty for sure. And then we were different on the the Niners Rams. So we were different on the Saints Raiders, uh, Colts Commanders, Niners Rams. And honestly, halfway through, I was like, I might go undefeated for the week, and I might pick up three games this week. And how quickly that turned. So, so okay. did you pick thirteen and two? No, I lost another game. Ooh, what's yeah? Where are you at? Where are we at here? Let's Five games. Over. Five games. So overall for the season, I am seventy-one and fifty-two. There's nothing to sneeze at. Plus nineteen. I'll take that. You are seventy-six and forty-seven. That's. I know a thing or two about a thing or two. All right, let's do this. All right. Um, wait. Does that make sense? One hundred and twenty-three. 123, you're plus 29. Our listeners love the fact that we're doing math. Hold on. So you're plus 26, 27, 28, 29. I'm plus 19. That sounds like we should be 10 games apart, but we're only five games apart that would make sense that, yes that would make sense um all right i had to, i had to make sure that that worked itself out the way it was supposed to um all right so let's go ahead and pick we start with tomorrow evening the philadelphia eagles on the road coming off a bye right yeah they're coming off a bye on uh, thursday night no no the they're not coming off the bye they, they just shot all over the steelers Oh, that's right. That's right. That that Pennsylvania battle. All right. Either way, Philadelphia at Houston. Fly, Eagles, fly. <laughs> On the road to victory. Yeah, I'm, I'm Eagles here as well. L.A. Chargers on the road against the Atlanta Falcons. <clears throat> A soft West Coast team going cross country to a physical – First place team, give me the Atlanta Falcons. I mean, this is an this is an area of opportunity for me. Do I seize and capitalize? If you made me go first, I'd say Falcons. Um, you go oh. first next game. All right, I I too have to take the birds. And this is more about just the time zone coming across. No receivers. Yeah. Um, I got to go birds. All right. I'll pick first on this one. So the Miami Dolphins at the Chicago Bears. I take the fish on the road. Oh, that's, that's so sweet of you. <laughs> Picking those real hard games there. <laughs> Listen, me, uh... I'm just going in order. All right. <laughs> give me the uh, give me the tuna. The tuna or the tua? Um all right, mm. Carolina, Carolina Panthers at the Cincinnati Bengals. I go the Bungles. Yeah, I have to go Bengals here too. I feel like this week we're gonna pick the same. It's just like one of those weeks, dude. Um, Green Bay Packers at at the D- Detroit Lions. Believe it or not, I'm actually I'm going Green Bay. I, I have my reasons. I I have my reasons as well. I'm going Green Bay. Okay, um, I think trading away Hawkinson, 
Uh, Swift, Swift banged up, you know, again. The guy's like Mr. Glass and Unbreakable. Jesus Christ. So I, I think I, I yes and yes to, to both of those points. Uh, Detroit's deep. I think this is the perfect game for, like, Aaron Rodgers to put some to good right, offensive yeah. tape on the film and get right. Like, listen, he's got an ego bigger than anybody's. He knows what's being said. He sees this team stumbling. And just when you count number 12 out, is when he just rises uh, to prominence again. And just as a reminder, so um, I'm Packers on this game as well, even though I so badly want the Detroit Lions to I win this football game. Lions, uh... No, I, that's not logical to me. All right, Indianapolis Colts at the New England Patriots. I, I'll, I'll go – yeah, it's Pats. No way Bill Belichick lets Sam you go Ellinger first be. Next. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Buffalo, I'll go next. Buffalo Bills at the New York Jets. Bills. 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 All right. I'll go. I mean, Jesus. Minnesota Vikings at the at Washington Commanders. Still going, Minnesota, a, still going to Minnesota. Uh, Washington lost William Jackson. Not that it means much. He wasn't playing good for them. Uh, Vikings got TJ Hawkinson. Nice little pickup there. I know – It'll take him some time to get acclimated, but he does also run block well. Um, I'm and Vikings have been pretty good, so I'll go Vikings. We talk revenge about game. Re- I was just gonna game. say we talk about revenge games all the time here, and this is you like that. This is quintessential revenge game for uh Kirk Cousins. And good news, it's one o'clock game, it's not a prime time by any means. That's where Kirk Cousins does his uh, the sun is work. up, Cousins yeah. fine, yeah. Uh, the Las Vegas Raiders at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jesus Christ. Uh, at Jack, what time is this game? One o'clock. Give me the Raiders. I'm going Jags. I yeah. I know you're not wrong. Like, I can see it. But I, I listen, but this but this is qu- this is a quintessential Raiders game that they'd come out and win and be like, "Where's this team been?" Right? Like, yeah. but I just feel like Jacksonville's figuring it out a little bit. That like this, hey, this Travis Etienne character is pretty good when you put the ball in his hands and find ways to to get it um, to him. But I just think uh, I don't know. Good opportunity for us to be different anyway. Mm-hmm. Seattle, is that, is that our first different game so far? Yes. Okay. You can go I, the first, this, this one next. All right. Seattle Seahawks at the Arizona Cardinals. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm wishful thinking here. I'd give me give me the Arizona Cardinals. I'm just trying to put positivity into the air. I have no other thing to base that on. I think the Seahawks are the better football team, but it's it's on the road. Funny things happen on the road. Um, and and I think Arizona needs this game if they want to be serious in any capacity. I am also going to agree with you for the mere fact. I think Seattle's due for a letdown. All right. I would almost say this has trap game written all over it, but it doesn't because it's a division opponent and you never should fall asleep at the wheel on a divisional opponent. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get into – I think this is where things get a little bit hairier. The L.A. Rams at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Four o'clock game. Four twenty-five. 
Give me the Rams. I'm taking the Bucks. I think this is again. I like. We all agree all the time. Like the world is funny. The NFL is funny. And we've been talking about how they've been struggling and struggling and struggling. Everybody wants to point to like a coaching in Tampa Bay and this saga around Giselle and Tom and what it's doing to him and blah, blah, blah. And I just feel like he's alleviated in some capacity. And that's is he gonna, maybe, maybe he didn't, maybe win, not. Maybe, maybe, he didn't not. Win, maybe he didn't win what he wanted to win in that divorce proceeding. Maybe he's not, maybe he's on tilt. It's possible, but maybe, he didn't maybe, lose maybe, in the divorce. Maybe he was fighting for no custody of the kids, and he got joint custody, and he's not happy about that. <laughs> if he lost in any capacity, they were like, Tom Brady, you keep your money. Giselle, you keep your money. Go your separate ways. And he's like, damn, I was hoping to tap into that half a billion dollars a year in income that she makes. Exactly. You know? It goes both ways out of money, doesn't it? Yeah, it sure does. Um, all right. Sunday night. The aforementioned Tennessee Titans at the Kansas City Chiefs. I just—it's so hard for me to ever pick against Mahomes, especially in Kansas City. Yeah, I have to agree. Um, I don't even know if I'd feel any different if this game was in Tennessee. While well, I think it'll be. <laughs> <a good game. laughs> I got so I got to come on. We got two different games right now. I I can't. I actually try to make it all up in one week. I'll be down ten. You know what I mean? I actually like the games that you picked against me. Yeah. Okay. Um. Monday night. The Baltimore Ravens at the New Orleans Saints. Gotta give me the Ravens here. They have extra time. Okay. Well, the reason for me is they have extra time to. uh, They play last Thursday. A little mini buy. Um, yeah, give me the Ravens. Saints beat the Raiders 24 nothing at home last week. Kamara was a savage, 158 total yards. I'm taking the Aints. All right. You kind of, you kind of felt yourself there. I don't know if that was a good idea. It wasn't a good idea. <laughs> I'm just Even if I got those other two games right, I just give it. I give one right back. You know what I mean? But plenty of time left in the season to make up one a week if we really oh, yeah. boil down to it. Um. So there we have it, Lou. It's that time. They begin tomorrow night. You've been in the bag lately. Did you go further into your bag of tricks? Well, uh, for some well, fantasy advice. Once again, let me stretch out in my victory lap. I said, make sure you pick up Greg Dulcich. I made the uh, the comparison that he reminded me of Dawson Knox. That was his uh, that was his floor. His ceiling was Mark Andrews, and Dulcich definitely delivered. Uh, he had a great game. Um, Got to pick him up. He is a startable tight end. That was that was last week. All right. So for this week, well, real quick, if you're going to take a victory lap, can I take a quick victory lap? Because I remember ahead. exclusive. Uh, Distinctively pounding the table for Dante Foreman, and did he not do thirty plus fantasy points last he week? He did. He did. He did. All right. All right. All right. So who's who? Who are we going to be celebrating next week? And who do I have to load up my my links for real fast? All right. So we're going to stay in New Orleans, and I'm going to say Kenyon Drake. Uh, just for the mere share, share, it's not a great matchup, right? But this is a volume play. Gus Edwards tweets his hammy coming off a. Uh, you know, a knee injury, right, from last year. So 
Uh, if he does play, I don't know how much they'll try to mount there. And the other running back, Justice Hill, he has some fumbling issues, right? So I think Kenyon Drake is a volume play here. So I would like to uh, use Kenyon Drake. All right. Um, I like it. I agree. Volume. Volume, especially at the running back position. I'll stick with volume, um, and I'll stick with the running back position. This guy's probably been like a fringe starter at this point in time, but this is the week that he should be a surefire starter. Uh, I don't even care who you have on by. Like, you find a way to put this guy into your flex, and it's Tyler Algier, the running back from uh, the Atlanta Falcons. Um, I just mentioned how he's probably been a fringe for you the last few weeks. He's produced, uh, but this week is going to be his most favorable matchup. Lou's talked about it, talking about his own team, right? Struggling against the run. That's been evident and obvious all year. Um, they're they're going to want to play bully ball, smash mouth football, and I, I, I expect him to tote the rock quite a few times in this game. There's other guys that could get the ball there, but he's going to be. If I was pissing on your parade, though, Patterson might be back. Just saying. If I was pissing on your parade. Don't piss on my parade. <laughs> he's It's Algier. I, I will stay in Atlanta, and I'm going to, you know, Justin Herbert's going to have to throw to someone. I'm going to first say do not – everyone's going to pick up DeAndre Carter, start him, because Atlanta does have a, a poor passing defense, right? Yep. That's not the play. DeAndre Carter, he was he was a good story, and it's over, all right? It's Joshua Palmer, and I know he's been popular earlier this season because Keenan Allen has been hurt. However – I firmly believe they're going to actually use Joshua Palmer in now in the Mike Williams role where he's more comfortable. It's, uh, it's, better, it's, uh, it's better for his skill set. I think it will flourish more. So I'm going to say Joshua Palmer playing the different role uh, where he, for the, of the Mike Williams role. So Joshua Palmer. I got Palmer on my list this week too. Um, I just like his matchup, right? This is not an everyday. This is a week to week plug and play by week, whatever it might be. I just think he's got a favorable matchup this week. I'll stay with the wide receiver position. I'm going to say Romeo Dobbs. Um, you know, I've, I've seen him starting in some leagues with leagues that have like multiple flex positions and three wide receivers and blah, blah, blah. But if you're in a more traditional format, like we talked about this before when, when we were picking this game, like the Packers need to get back on track. This is the game to get back on track. Um, I talked about how I think Aaron Rodgers desperately wants to put a good passing game on tape to take away some of the heavier fronts that they're seeing against the run. This is the time to do it. Uh, this is a depleted Detroit defense. And I just look for him to, like he's done in the past, lock in on that one receiver that at this point I think he just probably trusts the most um, is what it boils down to. And, and I mean, I know we all saw that catch that he made on Sunday night against the Bills in the end zone. That's against the, the Bills' pass defense. I mean, Dobbs had a, had a pretty good showing. This is against Detroit. Um, I like Romeo this week. Okay. Uh, I don't know how many more you have. I got two, two more. I got I got one more because Palmer was my other. So okay. I didn't I didn't think you were gonna name anybody on your own team based on your rant earlier today and your disgustedness. Yeah, doesn't mean it's gonna be a good turnout. Anyways, yeah. um, I digress. Dion Jackson, keep an eye on. Uh, jo- uh, you know Taylor, Jason, uh, you know uh, Taylor from the Colts. Um, did not practice today. He hasn't been effective, really. The ankles bother him still, I believe. 
high ankle sprain takes a long time, you know, to, to recoup from. This Deion Jackson, again, I know it's a poor matchup again, but once again, I'm looking for volume plays. And I'm looking for desperation. If you are desperate, pick him up if Taylor doesn't play or if he plays very limited or he plays and gets hurt, you know, if you're in a best ball league, Deion Jackson could be someone you might want to, you know, throw in it this week. I also think a big portion of this is Naheem Hines is gone now too. Bingo. Right. Like um, I think Deion Jackson's a a great play. I think even if Taylor was suited up, right. Like they're not going to give him a 30 carry workload coming off that high ankle sprain. Like this guy's still going to get touches. Um, So I think Deion Jackson's a great play. My, my final name, and then I'll let you get into your final name. This one is solely dependent upon injury and solely dependent upon the health of Mark Andrews for this week and this week only. But on Monday Isaiah. night, if – yeah, Isaiah likely. Lou, you and I were both high on him coming out, right? Like we saw him, like he was at the combine. He looked good. He's got that like, hey, I play tight end, but I got that wide receiver build body. We talk about weapons. Um, he's a, an athletic mismatch on the outside um, against linebackers and, and safeties coming down on him. And we saw that come to fruition last week um, with Baltimore. And I think that just if Andrews is out, that's earned him targets. Right. And when you think about like volume from a wide receiver perspective, it's targets like you need targets. Um, and I think he's the guy. If Andrews is out, like that's the number one <laughs> on that offense. You're right. You're from right. A, a receiving perspective. Can't score points if you don't get targets or touches. So, last what one I have, uh, you know, downshifting here. Give me the Minnesota Vikings defense against the Washington Commanders. You're in good hands with Heineke, and I tell you right now, he's always good for a couple uh, turnovers. And they've been pretty formidable. I see what you did there. You're in good hands with Heineke, isn't it? Meineke? All right. I just wanted to make sure. I... Yeah, I've been, I've been, I told you I've been feeling, I've, feeling a, I've, I've been feeling a little uh, jaded tonight and uh, I've been in my bag with all my, uh, all my, Bro, not only have you been in your bag, first of all, let's be very clear. This generation does not watch commercials, right? So now you, last week you referenced 90 sitcoms. This week you're referencing 1990s television commercials. Where's the related? <laughs> Dude, great stuff. Always a pleasure. Well, Lou, that that wraps us up for the week. Um, We'll be back next week. You'll get uh, an extended stay when it comes to reviewing your team. I'll be more of the flying high and almighty coming off the the bye week, if you will. I will say this, though. Uh, Earlier this week, uh, I invited you over to my house to watch the chargers niners game i just want to let you know i'm rescinding that offer after it was transpired this last week so uh we will not be watching the game together yeah it's so funny dude i picked my wife up from the train and i had this conversation with her i was like oh lou and you know and christina finished the the basement and lou sent me the picture of this massive tv and she's like you should go over and watch the 49ers chargers game i'm like uh no like you know we're both like superstitious how we watch right like and i need to be in my own element but for clarity you did extend an invite for this weekend because you would be having the house to yourself we'd be uninterrupted i have nothing on the you know on the table so that's still tbd because i still don't know what time these pictures are actually taking place and what time we get home. But I am eager to see this basement. I am eager for us to actually watch football together. It just becomes a lot easier. We're like, 
Lou, I literally – this is how sick I am in the head. I go watch the 49ers-Chargers game at your house on Sunday night and the 49ers lose. I spend all week thinking about if I had just watched it at my house, we would have won. Like, that's how fucked up I am, right? That's well, how I, I think. Well, I will call your superstition and raise you. Every time I wear something Chargers-related on the day of the Chargers game, now it could be a shirt, could be a hat, could be shorts, could be pajamas, could be underwear, because I have two pairs of Chargers uh, underwear. Just in case you were wondering, um, I they was. Lose. They, they lose, so I will not be sporting any Chargers paraphernalia or apparel on me this Sunday. Praying to the gods that this is a, cor- I, a, a, a way to correct and me to contribute to a winning team. I don't know how you do it, man. Like I. So I play with the attire, right? Like away jersey, home jersey, where are we playing, whatnot. I have to laugh because my Debo jersey finally arrived. I needed uh, one of the throwback in red because I have the Dion throwback in white. I was like, I need a throwback in red, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna bite the bullet on Debo. Literally, the day it arrives at my house is the day they announce he's not playing last week, and I'm like, oh, here we go, right? Like I can't have anything nice because then these people can't play. But dude, game day. I am, and it has to be done at least an hour before the game. I am in 49er socks. I have 49er pants. I have 49er underwear. I have a 49er undershirt. And then I wear the jersey with the 49er hat. The day before the game, I'm wearing something 49ers. I'm always in a 49er hat. I have dozens of them, right? So, like, that's just – I mean, I'm in a 49er hat every day of the week. Like, that's just the way that is. But, like, on Saturdays, it's either a hoodie, a long sleeve tee, something like that. And I wear the same pair of 49er pajama pants to go to bed on Saturday nights. That's how fucked up I am, dude. Fucked up. Like, that's that's a disease, bro. I'm wow. a 40-year-old man. Are you? Kind of like a little boy right now. I'm 39. Now, that's yeah. what I'm saying. And yeah, I'm acting like a 12-year-old. Yeah, do you have uh, uh, the, the, the sheets to your bed, like 49er sheets from, like, back in the day? <laughs> I'll do you one better, dude. Oh, no. I'm totally going to judge you right now. This is the wallpaper really that hung up in my bedroom when I was a child. This is the extra rolls of wallpaper that I have had since I was legit 11 years old. Really ties the room together there. <laughs> Dude, so bad, right? Like, And yes, I had those sheets and blankets, and I can show you all that. I had the – do you remember when they had the players that were shaped like pillows? Yeah. Joe Montana of that, Jerry Rice of that, Steve Young of that I had as kids – Unfortunately, a lot of that was lost in Hurricane Sandy because there was a lot of it was stored under my parents' house. Um, and they had that like they had an elevated house where the storage was like underneath on the shore and they lost all of that. Like I don't have any sport trophies like outside of this one bin I have that has like newspaper clippings from like high school and stuff. There's really not even a record of me playing being athletic in any capacity <laughs> because it's all gone. It's all hey. like it all had to be thrown out. It's all destroyed. Me too, man. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. It's late in the evening for us, although this, we're ending a few minutes earlier than we normally do. I know, a, I know. On a Wednesday night. So as we wrap up, Lou, subtle reminder to the group, where can they find us? Find us at WTF Pod NFL on Twitter and Instagram. And Weston, tell them what to do on YouTube. We're talking football podcast. Like, subscribe. 
Lou, I'm not going to lie. I'm getting some friction related to like the YouTube following. When I talk to some people, they're like, hey, are you on whatever? Like whatever you listen to. Like I forget these outlets that you listen Spotify, Spotify and stuff yeah. like that. They're like, are you on that? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, but I really don't want you to follow me on that. I want you to follow the YouTube. Like I told you we had this evening happy hour for my work team today. And in part of these presentations, people were loading up YouTube. So I'm throwing in the chat. Like, hey, while we're on YouTube, why don't you go ahead, log in and subscribe? And people were responding, and they're just like, are you on Spotify? Are you on Spotify? I'm like, God damn it, that defeats the purpose. Did I say Spotify? Yeah, I said YouTube. What do you want me to do about it? All right, Lou, a lot of fun. Uh, Always a pleasure. Uh, We'll reconvene uh, next week, and we'll inform the audience when we do reconvene next week if we actually saw each other on Sunday to watch football or not. Adios. Adios.